Hello, and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. We're your co-hosts. Today, we're excited to welcome Sister Rosemary Wixom to the podcast. Rosemary, thank you for being here with us today. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. Rosemary, many women in the church know you best as a former primary general president, and you also served as the most recent Salt Lake Temple matron right before it closed for renovation. So we would love to discuss the temple and covenants with you and learn from your many experiences. And so first of all, will you just tell us about your experience as temple matron? I have to be honest and tell you, I was not prepared for the feelings I would have to be in the house of the Lord day after day. It's an opportunity to walk on holy ground. And as my husband and I would enter some mornings at four o'clock, and those halls were empty and quiet and sacred, I came to realize that the Lord's Spirit is there every minute of the day, whether the halls are packed and crowded or whether they're empty, that serenity and peace is waiting for his children to enter. So it was a marvelous experience, in fact, a crowning experience of church service, just like President Eyring promised it would be. So Rosemary, I want to be sure to ask too, because I know a lot of our listeners were eager to hear from a temple matron, the insights of a temple matron, the experiences of a temple matron. But I think so many just wonder, what is a matron? What do they do? What is your job in the temple every single day? (laughs) And that was my initial question too, because you (laughs) see, I hadn't been serving in the temple when I was called to be a temple matron. Wow. Fortunately, both of my absolutely incredible, remarkable women who were my assistants had been, and they took my hand and led the way. But I came to know that as the temple matron, we would rotate. Someone was always in the temple. Uh, The president and myself were in the temple, or the first counselor and his wife, or the second counselor. All the time, the temple was open, so our schedules rotated. So that meant that there were mornings when we needed to arise at 2.30 wow. to be ready to be start the temple at 4 o'clock in the morning. Now, that sounds like an unearthly hour, but I have to preface it by saying, the Lord helps you do it. Believe it or not, when that alarm clock went off, we were up. I couldn't do that now. (laughs) That's sometimes when I'm going to bed at 2.30 in the morning. (laughs) I know. I couldn't do that now. But the Lord helped us. And then it was our responsibility mainly for two things. One, that the ordinances be pure and accurate. So it was important that myself as a matron or my assistants would visit the ordinances and listen to them being performed and make sure they were accurate. And then the second is to make sure everyone, now I mean everyone, that walked in those temple doors felt welcomed and loved. Under this umbrella of organization, where there were staff coordinators, shift coordinators, there was all the clerical work to happen with each patron that would come into the door, and it had to be precise and it had to be accurate. Those temple workers, oh, those wonderful temple workers, they're dedicated. (laughs) They're the ones 
that carried it for me because they were with patrons individually to guide them. No one that comes in the temple should feel like it's rushed or like we're not welcome and eager to have them come. If they come in Levi's, we welcome you to the temple, regardless of how they came. And so it was our responsibility to create the Spirit in the temple to be able to allow them to feel the power of the ordinances they were participating in and the covenants that they were making. In the Salt Lake Temple is a family of over 3,000 people. That's I was going to ask, how many people? To make that work. When you think there were those in the cafeteria, those engineers in the laundry, all of that is underground. You don't see it. But it's happening, and it's happening with 3,000 dedicated disciples of Christ. All helping to support the experience that these patrons will have. With that focus. Mm -hmm. So I viewed my responsibility, number one, was to love and look for reasons to love under any circumstance. Because if I could love and if I could feel the Lord's love, perhaps maybe they could feel it too. One of the sweetest responsibilities we had was to greet each session as they would walk up that ramp to go into the creation room to begin the endowment ceremony. And I remember that. I, I remember know. I remember seeing you. Seeing you there. <laughs> yeah. Now, can you imagine to look into the faces of his children from all over the world, mm-hmm. all nationalities? There would be those leaning on canes, those in wheelchairs. Well, I think of during the Savior's life, people being brought to him in all sorts of circumstances who knew, I just need to come and I just need to see him. I need to seek him. And that's the same way people do that now is by going to the temple. Yes. In whatever their circumstances. Yes. But I remember President Eyring encouraged us to create a spirit in the temple as if the Savior were around every corner. Now, when you think about that, that's a huge responsibility. (laughs) So he said it's most important that you live so you can invite the Spirit of the Holy Ghost into your life. But I also found that it happens when patrons and temple workers walk in the door because they bring with them that spirit and and power. mm -hmm. I'm glad you said that word Mm -hmm. power because it comes with them. I'd like to add one other thing, and that is President Nelson said the temple will change you, and it changed me. In what ways did it change you? Tell us more about that. Let me share with you what happens um, from my perspective when I was in the temple every day. It gave me an eternal perspective on my life. When President Woodruff said, if the veil were lifted and we could see and know the things of God, nothing that we are doing here would match the importance of focusing on the ordinances for those who have gone beyond. And that's what happens. Nothing in my life seemed to be important when I put it in perspective with the temple. In other words, it increased my hope and my comfort, and my peace, even among turmoil. May I tell you a story? Of course. Yeah, please. Virginia Pierce tells the story of a woman she calls Jane. 
And Jane was a covenant-keeping woman, just like everyone who enters the temple and those outside the temple, for that matter. And she had a heart-rendering challenge in her life. Her children had made a choice to step away from the church and the beliefs. And this was a real concern to her because she realized that it would lead to unhappiness. And then she was heartbroken. And so she prayed for her children to somehow have a change of heart. Well, as the days went by, she came to realize and wondered if her sacrifice to go to the temple more often and prayerfully consider their needs would change her children. Now, I don't know what commitment she made, but she made a commitment, and she felt that the Lord would honor such a significant sacrifice. After 10 years of increased temple attendance and constant prayer, she said, I'm sorry to say that my children's choices have not changed. And then a pause. But I have, she said. I'm a different woman. I have a softer heart. I'm filled with compassion. I've given up my time limits, and I'm able to wait on the Lord. In other words, she was ready to love and let the Lord do the heavy lifting. Sometimes those we hope to change by our prayers and our temple attendance are not changed at all, but we are changed to accept them as they are. I hope the temple changed me. I hope I'm different than I was before this calling, and I hope that there are more changes to come because I don't think we can ever stop expanding our concept of that eternal perspective and let the veil be thin and recognize that we can grow and progress without limits. There are no bounds to our progression. And changing is beautiful in the temple. I saw it change myself. I saw it change temple workers Mm -hmm. and the lives of patrons. So for me as a patron, I mean, we live in a very interesting time. At the time of this recording, it's very unique because access to temples is restricted because of the global pandemic of coronavirus. And so for times like these, when we experience temple closures, or for people who don't live near a temple in general, I mean, they're not going to the temple frequently, and they're not able to necessarily participate in this mm-hmm. experience that you're this saying you're created in, yes, in the yeah. temple. And so I would love to know, how can we draw on the power of our temple covenants to feel this greater peace and receive blessings for our families when we're not able to attend the temple? And, you know, what practical and simple things can we do? You know, in the Bible dictionary, it says only the home can compare with the temple and sacredness. So we need to ask ourselves the question, how do we achieve that sacredness in our home? And is it possible? I remember when serving as primary president, my favorite part of visiting around the world was going into the homes of the saints. And I would say in 98% of those homes, there was a picture on the wall of a temple. And I remember a little home in Central America, and as we visited with his family, gathered in this humble home, and they shared openly with the challenges their family has. Mm -hmm. A young son who was dealing with the addiction of pornography, a daughter who had left and they were caring for her children, But they pointed to the picture of the temple on the wall because this is where they get their hope and their energy 
and their desire to carry on to live the gospel, knowing full well that the eternities will bring the gifts of the sealing that they had received as a family Mm -hmm. in spite of what happened here on earth. Mm -hmm. So I think the home is critical. So President Nelson, in a talk that he recently gave, it's probably it's been a couple years, but he announced that the Pioneer Temples would be renovated. And so that's Salt Lake, St. George, Manti. Mm-hmm. And he said that as those temples are being renovated, how are we going to renovate our homes? Meaning, so spiritual mm-hmm. renovation. And I just thought that that was so prophetic because not only are these temples being closed for renovation, but all temples are closed currently. So it does force us to focus on those spiritual renovations of our home and of ourselves as we try and focus on eternity and the covenants that we have made, even when mm-hmm. we're not able to regularly attend. Yes, and haven't we all seen how we've been prepared for what's happening right now and mm-hmm. the isolation we're experiencing? Mm-hmm. We are prepared to teach our families, and we are prepared to invite that spirit into our homes. The Lord is giving us an opportunity to testify. Well, and I love this example of, you said, this family who maybe lived a distance from a temple in Central America and had placed this image in their home to remind them. I think there's probably a lot of reflection, right? It's not just having a picture, but that they looked to it, that they thought about what that temple meant to them. And I think maybe creating some space in our lives to be reflective because we're not having time in the temple for that, but to have some reflective time on the covenants that we're making and the direction our lives are going. And I think that's a part of this renovation maybe that's happening on a spiritual level or of of our homes. Yes. And in those homes, there would be very few pictures on the walls, maybe one or two. But if they had one, it was the temple. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to be in the temple. It's wonderful if we are, and soon we will. But right now, think of what we can do. We can speak of the temple often in our homes, and especially with our children. The spirit of Elijah begins outside the temple as we do family history work and research. My husband and I have found comfort in reading section 109, the dedicatory prayer of the Kirtland Temple, is something that we can read and internalize right now. We're not in the temple, but we can make reference to temples. The Lord will not leave us comfortless, regardless of the circumstances, even to have our temple doors closed or limited. We can feel the sacredness of the temple in our lives. Thank you for sharing that. I was just talking with uh, my sister-in-law who serves as a Relief Society president, and she said that was a big question that sisters in her ward are having right now, almost this ache, like the temple is where I go to feel peace and to feel reassured. And I can't do that right now. And she said that was a big part of their discussion recently was what they could do. So thank you for sharing those thoughts of of family history, of reflecting on our covenants and they're turning to scriptures and prophetic teachings about the temple to help bring us that peace and, and bring those reminders. So kind of a related thought about that is as we talk about, you know, there are people that almost have this immediate connection to the temple, this feel this immediate love and and maybe from the very first time that they go or developed over a lifetime, feel feelings of peace and calm and feel that it's a place where they can receive guidance. 
I think you contrast that with, I think we all know people who maybe don't have those feelings about the temple and not due to any lack of obedience or righteousness on their own, but for whatever reason, maybe feel anxiety about the temple or maybe the first time they went through felt a lot of confusion or, or felt a little disoriented. So in thinking about kind of that range of experiences, we wanted to ask you as someone who has served so much in the temple and served so much around people attending the temple from a range of circumstances, what we can do to kind of improve our temple experience from wherever we are. I have heard women say, how come I can't feel the peace and the rejuvenation that my friend feels when she goes to the temple? I hurry in, I sit down, I'm weary, I find myself dozing through the ceremony. <laughs> I feel guilt because I do, and I leave discouraged again. I say to them, but you're there, and the Lord knows you are there. I believe that that temple experience begins long before you walk through the doors of the temple. It really begins at home. It begins as we anticipate going to the temple, what we'll feel, maybe going with a question or an issue or a concern that we have in our lives. And He will prepare us if we will allow Him to. Invite Him into your preparation before you even leave to go to the temple, because I believe that's a big part of it. You know, President Nelson said something once that just touches my heart when he said, the Lord can only teach an inquiring mind. We need to inquire. We cannot expect to be like everyone else who may seem to have the right answers <laughs> or have that peace or that confirmation or the rejuvenation that the temple offers. We need to have inquiring minds and go with a question, going seeking to hear Him. But above all, don't give up. Keep going. When we have questions about the temple, I think of King Benjamin when he invited the people to come to the temple and he said, Open your ears that ye may hear, and your hearts that ye may understand that the mysteries of God may be unfolded to your view. How is the Lord speaking to us? Now, He may speak to you while you sit there in that beautiful, comfortable chair in the temple, or He may speak to you later. But I believe the fact that you made the effort to go and to be in His house and to inquire and to seek, to hear Him, He will allow that to happen. I love in all of these responses and thoughts that you're sharing that I think sometimes the answer we don't want to hear is just to be in the temple. You know, it's kind of like, I need to understand more first. I need to get answers to these questions first. And then when I go, I'll have this improved experience. But I remember a woman that I really admire told me that for many, many years, she didn't have many profound experiences in the temple. And she felt, you know, maybe a little dozier. Sometimes she felt bored or just felt like, I'm not getting anything out of this. And she said, I just continued to go. And it took probably 10 years. And then there was some transformation that happened that it became more of the experience that she was looking for. 
So I, I like the idea that there's power in being there and that what that experience feels like or looks like for different people upon, you know, wherever they are on the path might be different, but that there's power in, in being in the temple. And that when we have questions, because sometimes I'm overwhelmed when I'm getting ready to go to the temple and I'm like, oh, I need to have a question to think about while I'm <laughs> sitting at the temple. But, but really for me, for a while, it's been the same question. And I just love how you said Maybe you're not getting answers in the temple, but because you were in the temple, you'll get an answer mm -hmm. later. I love that you said that, and mm -hmm. I really appreciate that for my mm -hmm. own questions that I have right mm -hmm. now. So thank you. I kind of view it like looking at a beautiful piece of art or listening to a, a piece of classical music, and you may at first see it, but not appreciate it. Mm. It's after viewing it many times or perhaps learning about the artist or the composer and what they went through and how they sacrificed to create this piece of art or music that we come to appreciate it. So it is in the temple. That's a beautiful analogy. Mm. And I like what you said about inquiring minds being a good thing. <laughs> That's encouraged. Mm -hmm. And I would love to get any suggestions you have for, you know, maybe people who've been in the temple for years and have questions about the meaning of certain things or people who just are so overwhelmed with questions that it creates an anxious experience in the temple. Where are places maybe outside of just attending the temple that we can either ask questions or find more information to enrich our experience or our understanding? I'd love any thoughts that you have on that. You know, there are so many valuable resources. I am just thrilled with what they have done on temples.churchofjesuschrist.org. If you go to that website, I think you too will be. And it's go kind of overwhelming. I mean, you go and you're like, oh my goodness, there's so much good information here. Oh, there's so much and videos and visuals that see inside of the temple. But my favorite little part is called Prophetic Teachings on Temples. And there you can delve into covenants and the temple garment, specific quotes from prophets about the different laws or covenants mm -hmm. that yeah. we make, the specific mm -hmm. covenants that we make. And they speak to us. And I don't think the Lord wants us to be confused or... Or in the dark or about in the what dark. things mean. Mm -hmm. But the greatest source, the greatest teacher in the temple is the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. So number one is that personal revelation that will come. I believe that in the temple, the greatest thing that can happen is discovery. And we are at all different levels of discovery. And one is not wrong, and one is not better than another. It is a process of discovering. And it's through our feelings that we have in the temple that we're taught. Through our hearts and our minds, we are taught and the words that are spoken, even though they are the same words we hear every time, are the foundation that the Lord wants us to hear to allow the Spirit to internalize the message for each one of us. Kind what of I hear mm -hmm. right, may be different than the person that's sitting right next to me. Mm -hmm. That's how the Spirit works. Well, that's kind of our experience reading the Scriptures, too. We read the Scriptures over and over again, mm -hmm. and 
depending on where we're at in our lives, we get different and messages and the different questions mm-hmm. that we have. The Spirit speaks to us through the same words that we're reading over and over again, but we get different answers at and different, different stages of your life. Too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I love in what you're describing about improving our temple experience, wherever our experience is, and also just that our experience in the temple begins before we even enter. I'd love to get your thoughts as, again, as someone who served as a matron, who was kind of a guide to these women who were going in for the first time, some thoughts about how mothers or young women leaders or sisters or friends, mentors, how we can better help young women prepare to enter the temple for the first time. And also for young women listening or older women listening who are going to the temple for the first time, ways that they can feel more prepared so that experience is is what they hope that it will be or what it what it needs to be or what the Lord wants it to be. The counsel that I would give any woman who is deciding whether or not to come to the temple is that is a personal decision. First of all, your decision to come is between you and the Lord. But when you come, anticipate feeling His love, that it is personal, that even though when you come to the temple, you will be with others who are experiencing either the same thing for the first time Mm -hmm. or those who have been there hundreds of times, and you may be surrounded by others. Look at it as a personal experience between you and the Lord, because I believe that's what He wants us to feel. And it is so individual. We're there for ourselves that first time, right? Or we're there for an individual. Yes. And I think sometimes we're worried about, before we go, about saying something that we shouldn't say about the temple because of its sacred nature Mm -hmm. and to preserve its reverence. Mm -hmm. But Elder Bednar in conference Mm -hmm. gave a beautiful message entitled, Prepare to Obtain Every Needful Thing. And he gave us guidelines to go by. He said, we should speak about the temple with reverence and not disclose special symbols associated with the covenants or holy information we promise not to reveal. But he said, because everything in the temple points us to our Savior Jesus Christ, we may discuss the basic purposes of and the doctrine and principles associated with temple ordinances and covenants. Yes, mm-hmm. let's talk about the covenants we make in the temple. We can talk about what it specifically, means. Specifically, right? Mm-hmm. We can talk about the each law of, them specifically. of obedience, the law mm-hmm. of sacrifice, the law of the gospel the law of chastity, the law of consecration, which really amounts to obeying God's commandments, being willing to sacrifice for Him and do His will, living the gospel of Jesus Christ, being morally pure, and dedicating our time and talents to the Lord. Now, there's nothing secretive about that. Mm -hmm. Those are things that we do because we are members of His church. And President Nelson said, the covenants we make with God are not restrictive, but protective. So if we view them as being protective, then it's good to talk about them and anticipate making those covenants with the Lord when we're in the temple. And there again, they're personal because we do each one of those things in a very personal way. So as you've described these things, what I hear you saying is that conversations are good 
and that parents can sit down with their children in a reverent way. And you referred to such good resources, Elder Bednar's talk, which in his talk, he talks about temples.churchofjesuschrist.org to walk through and talk and look at what are the things we can talk about to prepare you to have the best experience possible and to be fully aware of the experience you're going to have. And I know, Rosemary, you were involved in serving in the primary as the president. You were also on the Temple and Family History Executive Council, the first woman to serve on that council. And in that role, you were involved in temple open houses. I remember you spoke at a press conference at one of the temple open houses and spoke with media. But I think about when I was working for the church full time and was involved in some of those events, media who were not members of the church who maybe didn't know anything about the temple were attending these tours and general authorities were providing those tours. And I remember being shocked with what they were saying about the temple <laughs> inside the temple to this media who were not members of the church, who didn't know anything about temple ordinances and thinking, I didn't know that we could talk about it in this way or talk about it this openly. And I feel like that has completely changed the way that, you know, when my younger sisters were going to be going through for the first time, or when I'm a young woman leader someday or a parent feeling much more comfortable talking and being able to prepare people in a way that helps them better understand what they'll be experiencing. Yes. And especially for children, mm -hmm. they'll have lots of questions and visually they can learn about the temple. President Nelson has even invited us, those who are older and are ready to go through the temple, he has suggested that we go to the Bible dictionary and we look up the word temple, covenant, sacrifices, anoint, that we particularly study the books of Moses and Abraham in the Pearl of Great Price. All of that is preparation for what we're about to learn. Because it's so good to understand that when you go to the temple, this isn't something that was just created for this day and this time. Mm -hmm. This has been the Lord's plan since the very beginning, since the creation itself. The temple message, the temple doctrine, the temple ceremony was revealed and inspired to us for us in this day to allow us to participate and receive those ordinances that allow us to return back to our Heavenly Father. It's part of His plan. I think like so many things in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we segment them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we think, well, the temple's here, and our family is here, and Relief Society and the auxiliaries are here. No, it's all together. And everything that we do points to that progression we learn about the Lord's plan in His house. Mm -hmm. So the temple is central to everything. Well, and I love the idea of us kind of reflecting that idea in our homes, at church, that as parents and teachers and leaders, we can really point people toward the temple and the individual experience that every woman can have at the temple. And I am not sure how I stumbled on this article, but it's an Enzyme article from 1985 by President Ezra Taft Benson. And he says this experience I loved. He said he remembers his mom ironing some clothes and he was wondering what she was doing. And it was her temple clothes. And she said that she and her husband were going to be going to the temple. And President Benson said that his mom put down the iron and sat down with him and just 
talked about temple work and how important it is to go to the temple and participate in the sacred ordinances performed there. And she just talked about her hope that her children and grandchildren would have the opportunity to enjoy these blessings. And it was just so amazing to me because it gave me ideas of what I can do in my home in just having natural conversations, doing it frequently, having it be something that is exciting that I hope my children will look forward to. And, you know, talking about temple preparation, it can begin so early and we can be so supportive to these individuals as the individuals are doing their own preparation. I love to watch young families come to the outside of the temple and they would take their children up close to the temple, let them feel the temple and stand on the steps. You can come into the temple view room in the Salt Lake Temple or could before what it'll be like after, I'm not sure. <laughs> but let them taste and anticipate. Oh, there's so much to anticipate about going to the temple. And then I think of people who don't have support from family members and friends who Mm -hmm. they're going to the temple for the first time. My mom, she had a friend who she joined the church and was going to prepare for a mission. And she had never, she had never heard of temple garments. She didn't know what they were until she went to the temple. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that garments are such a major part of our first experience at the temple. But Beyond that initial instruction that we do receive from the temple matron, there's very little that's taught or discussed, you know, these ongoing things about wearing the garments. And so I just want to know from you, Rosemary, especially with your experience giving instructions about temple garments, how can we make wearing garments more meaningful and how can we develop or strengthen our testimony of garments, especially seeing it more as a blessing? We've talked about, you know, not a restriction, restriction, but but seeing mm -hmm, it as a blessing. mm -hmm. I think it comes from connecting the temple with the garment itself. It's not just wearing the garment and then the temple. They're connected together when we recognize everything in the temple is centered on our Savior, Jesus Christ. We connect Him when we wear the garment. We connect His presence in our life with that garment itself. And I believe that it's a reverence for the Lord's part in our life. I'm going to share what I learned just this morning. And that is that when you think about Adam and Eve and how they were cast from the garden, and yet part of that procedure, part of that Mm -hmm. process, they were wearing garments or skins, it's referred to in the scriptures. Well, where did those skins come from? Most likely, they came from the sacrifice that they made. And what was the sacrifice representing? our Savior, Jesus Christ. So that sacrifice is in some symbolically our Savior, Jesus Christ. When we look at the garment that way, we have a whole new perspective of the reason to wear it and to reverence it and respect it in our lives. I would look into the faces of these young girls and older women who would come to the temple for the first time Many had questions. If they had a question, it was often about wearing the mm-hmm. garment. Do I wear it such and such a time? Do I wear it when I exercise? Do I wear it when I work in the yard? I think sometimes we want to put a line, we want to put a definition mm-hmm. of now you do and now you don't. I say, look for reasons to wear it. Why not? 
Why not have the protection? Why not have the covenants that we make next to us? Why not remember our Savior, Jesus Christ, in every part of our day and everything we do? If it's possible, wear that temple garment. Well, and I think, too, if we speak of the garment as really being a reminder of our devotion to Jesus Christ, that sort of changes it, too. If we're talking about in the way that as a leader we talk about it with younger girls or a parent with their children, instead of it being just something we do because we're members of the church or something we do because I've been to the temple, but no, I do this because I am choosing to follow Jesus Christ and I've made covenants with him and this reminds me of that. You mentioned that it's a way to receive protection. And we, we hear about that in the temple. We know, you know, repeated in instruction or even I think in, a, in temple recommend interviews, they talk about it being a protection. I wonder if you could share more about that idea. What, what is it protecting us from? What, how can we see that power in our lives? I don't know if you have any thoughts personally. I'm going to share a, a story because this had an impact on me as I served as matron. I had a beautiful a woman come into the temple. She was older. She hurried from work. She was there for the first time. And I sensed that there was a little bit of a rush about it. In other words, her question to me was, what time will we be through? Mm -hmm. I have to be such and such a place by such and such a time. But then when she asked me in the instruction, prove to me that this garment is a protection. In other words, I have friends who have worn the garment, and they have not been physically protected. Prove to me that this garment is a protection. What would you have said? That's why you're here. That's why you're here. We're here to ask you that question. (laughs) Oh, I sought the Spirit like I've never sought it before. My answer was the covenants that we make in the temple to love, to obey, to serve, to follow, to become his disciple, are represented in that temple garment that we wear. When those covenants are a part of us, regardless of what happens in this physical world, they will protect us spiritually. We will not lose hope. We will not lose testimony. We will not lose the ability to draw closer to the Lord. We will not lose our perspective of our place in his plan when they are a part of us. I I just love that so much. Thank you. I think so many sisters will benefit from hearing that explanation because I think we sort of reach for what does that mean? What does that mean for me? Or what does that mean for someone else based on what they've experienced? I love what you said. Everything about the temple is so eternal including these promises. They're eternal promises. They're not necessarily promises of being protected in a car accident next week or protected from a sickness or an illness. They're eternal promises about the destination of our souls. And that's, that's some serious assurance. Yeah. Rosemary, you've shared some incredible insights into the temple that have really strengthened my perspective and understanding on the temple. And we just want to know, to conclude the episode, what do you hope women of the church understand about the temple? What do you want them to take away from this discussion that we've had? You know, I turned to the prophet. It's been almost two years ago, and he said this. I want to read his quote. My dear brothers and sisters, 
The assaults of the adversary are increasing in intensity and in variety. Our need to be in the temple on a regular basis has never been greater. I plead with you to take a prayerful look at how you spend your time. I urge you to find a way to make an appointment regularly with the Lord, to be in His holy house. Then keep that appointment with exactness and joy. And then I promise you that the Lord will bring the miracles He knows you need as you make sacrifices to serve and worship in His temples. A young widow sat in my office in the temple and made reference to that statement by President Nelson. She said, We need miracles, and He knows what we need. And so as a family, this is what we will do. And when you look at the promises that our prophet has made, that the Lord will bring miracles, what a blessing it is to be in the Lord's house, because it is there that we sense He is around every corner. Thank you so much, Rosemary. It's been so wonderful to have you here and to hear your insights and experiences from serving as a matron and from a lifetime of serving in the church and in the temple. And I think my own personal takeaway is that any effort to be in the temple more often or to make the effort to reflect on our temple covenants when we can't be there or to make the effort to study and learn more you know, before we attend the temple or, or after to improve our experience, that all of those efforts are worth it and that it's it's what the Lord wants so that we can seek him and learn more about him in his house. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on this episode. We hope that you'll share the episode with your friends and family, any that might appreciate this message. And we always love to hear feedback and ideas for this podcast. You can email us at podcasts at churchofjesuschrist.org to share your thoughts. So thank you so much again for listening. Until next time, I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. Have a great day.